Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzoo Vine for November 24th, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Join me as always. Welcome, Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome, Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, Catherine, good to have you back. And um, tonight we got plenty of topics, so no guests, but... You know, Catherine, getting you back, and this will be the first week we discuss the impeachment hearings with you, among other things, and probably should be a, a good discussion. And let's start right there. Um, week two, I think, actually had more witnesses that were even more compelling or damning, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, Catherine, kind of what's your overall take on the whole thing? And you can even go back to last week if you want to. Well, I will be honest. I haven't. I, of course, I can't watch and listen to it during the day, so if I'm I'm subject to catching up in the evening, and I haven't been as good about that as I would uh, normally think I would be. <laughs> um, but I think I'm. Um, you know, I don't hold a lot out a lot of hope for the Senate doing anything. <laughs> but I think it's really a. I have to respect this process that Schiff and the Democrats are um, are undertaking because I think it's really helpful for the American people to hear to hear these things about our president and the people around him. And so, um, well, it's not perfect, you know. I think there's some, you know, uh, flaws in the process, and I and I think. Devin Nunes should just be quiet. He's very annoying. Um, but overall, I think it's been a it was a good week this week for for those of us who are in favor of impeachment. So, you know, I think we have to watch the whole process work out, work through. I think we can't jump to any conclusions about what may happen. But I'm enjoying the process, what I have seen of it. Yes, Tim. We know you fortunately can watch more of us than Catherine and I can, since we, you know, both have those day jobs because they keep sending those bills. Um, and <laughs> there were so many witnesses uh, th- this week; it's hard to, you know, keep everything straight. But I know one thing that got talked a lot about was the one witness that heard the conversation over the phone, and you know, Donald Trump took the chance to brag about how good his hearing is. The only 70-plus-year-old I know that still brags about how good their hearing is. Usually it's full downgrading their vision and their hearing and their mobility and everything else, um, but he's the opposite. But then to me that whole thing became moot because you had Gordon Sondland, who to me was the main event of the whole week because uh, he was you know right in the middle of everything. And uh, earlier I guess he people didn't think he would testify, and he did, and he just – you know told what he felt was the truth. Um, give us your take on it all. Well, you know, in two weeks they had, I think, 12 different witnesses. Fact witnesses was what these people were. They didn't come to render opinions or anything like that. They came to present exactly what they knew, uh, mostly career civil servants. Uh, the, there were some political appointees like Sondland, but but mostly it was it was uh the quote deep state that you see the the these these people had a human face there they were out there and and they were just people that have spent their careers trying to do the right thing for this country i think um um those who were political by the way were all republican and didn't really help Trump's case, none of them. They, what they did was they basically confirmed the whistleblower's account of the narrative, and and which is this: Trump withheld and approved, um, or, or withheld aid 
approved by Congress to Ukraine for like 55 days, I believe they said, to try to force the president of Ukraine to announce that he was opening an investigation into Burisma, which, you know, basically the Bidens, and some kind of cockamamie thing about the Ukrainians and the Democratic National Committee coordinating interference in the 2016 election. It's just a conspiracy nonsense. And and as uh, Fiona Hill said, that it was put forward by the Russian security uh, services. Uh, but uh, I, I believe that her and Sondland were really the damning witnesses. Sondland, you know, said, you know, yes, there was a quid pro quo, and boy, did he name everybody being in on it or what? Pompeo and Pence and Trump and and Giuliani and said Bolton knew about it and on and on and on. Everybody you could think of, Mick Mulvaney. Um, the facts are there, guys. But but I, I, I think something's missing, and what that something is, is we haven't heard from the main players in this thing. Bolton has not testified, Mike Pence has not, Mike Pompeo has not, Mulvaney has not, uh, the Attorney General Barr, Rick Perry, one of the three amigos, Giuliani, Trump basically has circled the wagons and forbidden these people from testifying, and uh, none of them have, and I don't, I don't know if any of them will. And so Trump says this thing is a Trumpers and never Trumpers, and there's enough there to impeach, but uh, it really is looking like it's going to be a party line vote, which is going to give Trump the chance to say this was all the Democrats and I didn't do anything wrong, and all the Republicans are going to say that's right, he didn't do anything wrong, this was a political witch hunt, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's where we stand right now. I don't think there's a Republican vote to be had right now. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And, Catherine, I don't know if you noticed, but Tim said one of the nicest things about Mike Pence that anybody said in a long time. He called him a major player. Um, I think they won't both believe that he's a major player, but I really don't know how much he actually knew. I think they, they want to implicate him just so that's it's cold. Check where you can't get rid of um, – you know Trump, or you get you because then you can't put Pence in there, and you you give the White House to Nancy Pelosi. I think that's the <laughs> the reason they've tried to implicate or, or seemingly keep in the loop so much uh, Mike Pence. Um, well, you mentioned John Bolton. Now we know that he has left the administration. He apparently did not have access to his Twitter account. He's got it back now. He's writing a book. Um, which, of course, the book he's saying he'll tell tales, which I guess he's assuming that that will be published after um, the election in November. But is there a chance that, could, that he would testify? Because seemingly it seems like he would be the one most likely of those folks that you mentioned to willingly testify. Willingly. Hmm. Hasn't he That's already that. said that he's not going to testify? He, I, I, there, there's a couple of cases in the courts, you know, about whether the courts can force a couple of people who have been subpoenaed, not not none of these major people I've mentioned, but a couple of others. And I think they're waiting to see what happens with that. I think Bolton would answer a subpoena to come, but I think it would also go through the courts. And I, I don't know if the Democrats are willing to go through a protracted court fight to get witnesses like that or not. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It would mean a different stage of it, and they need the thing to move along. Because, I mean, obviously there is a point in which uh, it might be hard to do because you have – recesses and then you also would be in the throes of the campaign not only the presidential but these representatives and senators um and you know going wanting to go back to their state to run for re-election so it gets to where they need to move the process along uh faster because it's not like they necessarily need more facts in a lot of these cases 
Now, Catherine, you mentioned Devin Nunes and how uh, how, how uh, exhilarating it was to watch him. Late in the week, um, he was seemingly implicated um, that, that he had known about some of all this going on. Um, it seems like if you were implicated in that fashion, then you might have to recuse yourself. Is this not the case where, like in a regular court of law, you recuse yourself, or do we just not follow laws anymore? Well, I, I, I've been wondering about that, too, because there's a couple of people who, you know, like Rick Perry. Well, he's not an elected official now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what the rules are on that. I think that the courts are going to have to decide that, and it's going to be too late. They're not going to – I mean, he's not going to recuse himself. Nunes, I mean – I, I heard a couple of his closing arguments this week, and I was just like, he's just such a tool. <clears throat> yeah. You know, um, at one point he said, and now back to the Democratic story hour. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, that's not professional at all. Well, Tim, of course we can get your thoughts on that. But then also you may know, I know he's from a California district. What's the partisan lean of that district he's in? Because could he make such a – spectacle of himself that his um, constituents decide they want better in November. No, no, that's one of the few districts in California that's safe for Republican Nunes can't lose. Uh, and yeah. he knows that. And the, and the wilder he gets. That's one of those districts in California that used to be really um, – a frontline hotbed of like the John Birch Society and that sort of thing. So uh, that that mess that Nunes is doing, a, a lot of a lot of people actually believe that stuff, and it's just total nonsense. He even went himself last year when he was still the chair of that committee over there to look for evidence of some of that junk and met <laughs> with Ukrainians and stuff and um they, they they can't they can't nobody really do anything with him and uh but the best thing that's happened is is that he's not the chair of the committee anymore he he is in the minority and so he has to be a bomb thrower now in, instead of the man and uh no, we can't. We can't do nothing with him. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know. Um, well, I want to, and it's kind of going together. Which week? What happened? But um, Lieutenant Colonel Veneman, um, did he testify late last week, or was that early this week in which his testimony was given to him? Uh, he, his was was a little earlier. Um, last week, and uh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, you you saw some of the later witnesses actually uh, defending him and saying what a fine man he was and and how regrettable it was that he was being attacked because he was a real patriot and this and that and the other. But uh, uh, well, well, Catherine, you know the, the the Republicans like to pride themselves on such support for the military, yet they've attacked him right. and. They even would not call his military rank. They just called him Mr. Veneman, even though he was wearing mm -hmm. his uniform. Um, Catherine, how do you think that's going to play with some of their voters? Um, well, I think some of the voters, some of the Republican voters will be um, bothered by it, like the Megan McCain-type uh, Republicans. But it's not going to bother the you know trump base. At all, they're, they're just, they'll just be, yeah, he sh he shouldn't have done that, or he should, he, you know, he shouldn't have said those things, or, you know, whatever it is, they'll they'll, they'll defend Trump to the end. So, but I do think that the more uh, traditional Republicans will be unhappy with that those attacks. Yeah, that that was very disrespectful what they did, and I want to get your take on it. Now, one well, final thing on that. Well, tell me what you got. Was, though, oh. The funny thing was, though, that, that he's a lieutenant colonel, and he corrected uh, whoever it was that was questioning him. And then they, they that person called him 
a lieutenant or a colonel instead of a lieutenant colonel, which is funny. You know, you got a promotion right there on the spot. I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> that these guys don't even know the, you know, military rankings. I, I don't know anything about the military, but I know those, what those rankings mean. So I just thought, I, I found that kind of entertaining. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, if you're in the United States Congress, it would behoove you to familiarize yourself a lot more, because obviously, you have to help make appointments to the academies as just one yeah. of your duties, and it could be that you're on um, other committees and whatnot. Um, and military budget is a just a nice little chunk of change in the government overall. Well, um, Tim. I heard about Gordon Sondland's uh, background. He, he apparently runs lots of hotels, and that's uh, maybe one reason Donald Trump, you know, knows him. And then um, he gave money, of course, to the inauguration, big amounts of money. Surprised, basically, that just being a hotel guy in Oregon, he really even had that much money to give. But apparently, he really wants to be in some politics. Has even given money to the Democratic governor in Oregon. Um, but he didn't seem to have the profile that would give him uh, the ambassadorship to the European Union. I mean, this was not a little insignificant country like the guy that tried to buy the um, Caribbean island uh, ambassadorship. I mean, at least the guy was spending his money, right? I mean, this is an important one, you know, being an ambassador to the entire European Union. Does this not show how Donald Trump uh, functions that he takes important posts like that and just – Sells them away. Well, you, you know, Trump, either through neglect or because he was just having trouble doing it, uh, he, he he just wasn't filling a lot of those posts for the longest time. I mean, it was almost like well, anybody walks in off the street that wants one, here it is, thank you, because he, <laughs> He couldn't get any of the major players to do it. And you're right that Sondland badly wanted to be something. I believe he was originally like a supporter of Jeb Bush, and he was glad to switch right over to Trump. Gave him gave his campaign a million dollars. Uh, and, and he badly wants to be something in politics. And you know what? He, 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 he still does. Um. And and it's <laughs> that that sort of thing's really sad to see. But but there's always been those political appointees in politics. Although I don't know if they put someone like that in that important a position in past administrations. For instance, Shirley Temple, you know, one of the most famous faces ever on the screen in Hollywood, and and as an older lady she was kind of a political activist and uh nixon uh you know gave her an ambassadorship uh in and it was like to either ghana or the ivory coast somewhere like that he wouldn't have dared for instance made her the ambassador to the court of saint james or or, or to russia or something but this guy here yeah he would do something like that I tell you what, I bet he didn't expect Sondland's testimony to wound him like that. Oh, yeah, I don't I think, think he saw that coming. Um, yeah. Well, and I guess kind of the wrap-up question is we've really got, I guess, a little more polling, but not as much as we will get. And obviously that tweet I sent y'all um, is not real polling. But um, how do you think this is playing, Catherine, with – in particular, maybe swing or persuadable voters? Um, well, if they're paying attention, I think they'll be disgusted by it if they're truly swing and independent voters because they tend to be um, higher educated or you know more educated and um, and I, I would think that anybody who was educated listening to all this would be disgusted by it, especially if they're familiar with, you know, sort of our um, international place in the in the world and and history. That these this type of behavior and activities are 
are really bad for our country, bad for the world. So um, I would think it would hurt hurt polling. But, again, it also is going to depend on on who our candidate is and how much contrast we have from Donald Trump. Yeah, and that's pretty far down the road, so I think the initial um, hit on this will be well before we have much decided there. Tim, what's your thoughts yeah, on how, how this will play? Well, right right now, uh, it, it, every, every Republican is just saying, no, 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 no. And not, not just every Republican, but I believe practically every Republican voter. Even if they think they Trump did something wrong, they do not want him to be impeached. They do not want him to be certainly uh, kicked out of office. Uh, and I would imagine a goodly number of the independent conservatives feel the same way. I think we just got to... Uh, as in everything else in this country, practically, we've got a deep partisan split, and there it is, and everybody is in their camp. Everybody has gone to their corner. Uh, if you felt a certain way before this started, I think you probably still feel the same way, even though these witnesses were very compelling. Like I said, I think... The downside is that most of these witnesses are simply people that no one knew. It would look really, really different if, say, John Bolton came forward or some, yeah, someone of that magnitude that could actually move the needle a little bit. Right now, I just don't think that's happened. Yes. Well, um, we know we're going to discuss this more and more because there's still going to be more political fallout, and there's probably going to be more, you know, testimony. And then, of course, there's going to have to be a decision on, you know, what the next step is to move on this. So we'll discuss that in future weeks. But that's not the only thing that went on this week. Um, we do have a debate to talk about. We have the state of the race. But before we get into all that, I guess kind of a precursor. Since uh, we all got together we have another candidate that has entered the race or is you know carefully making serious moves um and that is former massachusetts governor deval patrick and so we need to do a buy sell and hold on deval patrick um catherine uh former governor patrick what's your thought there sell quickly i just you know hit I think his, um, you know, what he he was at Morehouse the other day, and two people showed up. Um, he he's just, I mean, it doesn't seem like if you look at the, you know, history of campaigns, it doesn't seem like it's too late, but it is this time. It's too late, and he doesn't have any. Um, I don't feel like he has anything to contribute that others. Can't, that he represents anything that others don't represent, and Elizabeth Warren is already running for Massachusetts, and I don't know. I just feel like it was, uh, you know, and he had said before that he wasn't going to run, and then he changed his mind and decided to run. I don't like that, That's, you know. So yeah, I'm sell and quickly. <laughs> uh. One comment on before I get Tim's on the fact that the two people uh, gathered at Morehouse, and he actually canceled and show up. Um, if Governor Patrick, if it gets to him, he can call from the comfort of his own home or whatever hotel he's room with, and he can have an audience of three just on the phone, and hopefully an audience of many more because <laughs> they're from the Cudsey Vine. So we can guarantee one more listener than was at Morehouse the other day. What, Catherine? Don't encourage him. Well, I, I always like a good guest. I mean, a former governor. Uh, uh, Tim, <laughs> hold. Well, Catherine was right, uh, certainly about one thing. I, I think this year's too late. There's too many people in the race already. 
uh, uh, you know, not just another person from Massachusetts. There's too many people. I don't see where yeah. his niche is uh, unless he's playing the angle. Well, I'm right next door to Massachusetts, uh, uh, to New Hampshire. I've got friends there, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I don't see where he his announcement has impacted the race in any way. I mean, I'm seeing Bloomberg actually show up with two, three, four, five percent of the vote six in one poll. I, I'm not seeing him do anything, so let let's sell him. Yeah, I will make it three on sale. I will sell Governor Patrick, and, and I'll kind of echo some things y'all said, but I will make a, a different point. I will tell you his angle. Now, I think he's gotten in too late, and that's the biggest problem. But now that Jay Inslee's out of the race, John Hickenlooper's out of the race, there is no governor. There is no executive or former executive in the race, and we know that's one of uh, the big routes, particularly for even Democrats, but just presidents in general, to go through a governor's mansion. Uh, Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter, uh, Woodrow Wilson all served in the governor's mansion. On the other side, George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, um, you know, the, the, the governor's mansion is a route um, to the White House. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just too late to get in the race. And, Catherine, you're right about Elizabeth Warren's in the race. It's almost like if Massachusetts Democrats could get together, and it would be you have one, two candidates, one vote, who do you give us? And they vote between Elizabeth Warren and Deval Patrick, and the winner gets to run. Um, I have a funny feeling, just if nothing else, because she's already been in the race this long, that she would win. Um, but it's almost like if they can't decide in state – you know who gets the nod? Then why are the rest of us having to? And another important thing, when you mentioned Michael Bloomberg, Tim, Michael Bloomberg will self fund. One, it's going to be hard to fund. But then two, you got to think your home state base is where you'll probably get a lot of your money. You would think that Elizabeth Warren would have tapped that um, base pretty heavily at this point. What do you think? Yeah, you you would think uh, about all the loose money is is already been grabbed up, uh, all of the low hanging fruit certainly, and that also goes for staff and and advertising, you know, prime advertising, everything. I, uh, perhaps he thought that well nobody seems to really be taking off let me see if lightning will strike me well well it didn't i'm sorry it struck the passenger <laughs> across the road so you know um th- there's just I, I don't see anything there for him I, I mean i see nothing there for him and i see what you're uh saying about the governor's thing but but uh no not this year not yeah. And that's his angle. Does it work? I, I doubt it. It didn't work for John Hickenlooper mm. and Jay Inslee. And Jay Inslee even had a, um issue angle with everybody else with climate change. Mm. Um, so I guess we were three for three for selling on. But, you know, we can be proven wrong, but the, the way he's going to prove us wrong is how does he get in the next debate? Um, or does he have this magical Iowa strategy uh, or New Hampshire? And, and that'll be that remains to be seen. Um well, let's kind of get into the um, the race itself, and let's start with the Democratic debate. We know that it was in Atlanta. It was probably uh, – is this the first time they've ever held it in a um, soundstage, um, uh, any kind of big political debate? Do you all know? I don't know. No, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's traditionally colleges, other you know, larger auditoriums, and I wonder, unless they had one maybe way back when in Hollywood – I mean um, – they, they've Maybe had them the, in television studios like the Nixon yes, Kennedy yeah. debate, something oh, like that. But yeah. something like this, a big sound stage yeah. with all the backdrops and all that. No, I've. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not talking about where they film wrestling, um, a, t- a local TV studio yeah. or the local newscast. Yeah. Uh, we're talking, you know, a sound stage uh, yeah. where they could do a full length movie. Um, well,. Just kind of, I guess, you know, first thoughts on this, and I guess we can do some civic pride at being in Atlanta. Uh, Catherine, what are your, some of your thoughts about the debate? Well, I thought it was good. Um, you know, it's always hard when there's 10 people on the stage. You know, we hardly heard from Andrew Yang or um, 
Who else was I saying we didn't hear much from? Well, I mean, oh, we didn't hear much from Sire. Um, but I, I liked that there was the four women asking the questions. I thought the questions were good. They weren't um, as um, uh, what's the word? Uh, they weren't as uh, volatile as they've been before. You know, they were pretty legitimate questions. They didn't feed us uh, some of the negative things about the Democrats, I thought. And um, as far as, and I thought that, you know, it was, it was fun to see the crowd. You know, I saw some of our elected officials and, you know, it was, it was nice to, it was nice for, to be in Atlanta. It, like you said, it was a little bit of civic pride and, um, you know, it felt very, um, felt very Atlanta. I was kind of surprised that Tyler Perry didn't make a bow or something in the whole thing, but you know, whatever. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I found it um, satisfying. I got a little, I, I got a little bored in the middle of it, and you know, just sort of took a break and went up and had a cup of coffee with my friend. I was watching it with a bunch of people. We had a lot of fun making fun of the various candidates. <laughs> But uh, I, I thought overall it was good. How about you? Um, I actually just saw clips of it, um, but but I do think it looked really professional. And I heard they had a lot of tie-in events uh, around Georgia and Atlanta, you know, showing how much Georgia will be a swing state. I did read later that it was the lowest watched debate. Now I don't think that has anything to do with Atlanta Tyler Perry Studios. I think that is a result number one, first and foremost of everybody that's really super into politics is spending eight hours a day like it's a job watching these impeachment hearings and they probably need a break and it is the like you know this is like rocky six at this point um you know there's a good already been a good many of these um so that's kind of thoughts there it was only only on msnbc right Yes, and that would yes. have been another factor if it was only on one location yeah. and that being a, a basic cable channel up the dial. Um, Tim, your thoughts? You know what else I was thinking about these debates? As entertaining as they've been, they haven't really moved the needle, have they? No. I mean, the same group of three or four people are in front of the pack, and in the second pack, you you have people jockeying for position to get to the front of that pack, and then you have those that either struggle to get into the debate, and they're on the edges at each debate, uh, or they don't get to the debate at all. Um, so there's no huge drama there, other than a, a an occasional gotcha moment. Are are a gap from somebody, but just no major game changer. If I had to call a winner the other night, Cory Booker had a very good night. Um, Mayor Buttigieg had 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 a uh, had another good night. He 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 is. Uh, he he's very good on the on on. He's very good on his feet. He's. He's very yes, articulate, and, and he's he, he's he's impressed me. I, I've got to I've got to admit it. I've been pleasantly impressed by by the mayor. Uh, Amy Klobuchar is always good. She is just steady, 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 steady. Um, I think Except she would make a, night, a fine president. What's that, Catherine? Night, she was. The other night, she was shaking. It was very distracting to me. Um, she was but did like you a, notice as the night went on, she got a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable, a little more A little better, but it was, yep. it was, it was distracting to me. Um, I think she has a, nat- a natural tremor to her oh, voice. Okay. That's just part of who she is. Um, so the, the people I know that I know who were there – they said Elizabeth Warren won the night, hands down, no question. I just which didn't I think see is interesting. That. I, 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 I didn't just, either. I just didn't I think see it, that. It was just a difference in 
whether you were there or watching it on television. Well, that, that that's a possibility. i tell you who I did. I miss Castro being there. I didn't think yeah, I would, not, but I'm, I did. He always adds a little something to the debate. It's, uh, but there wasn't any... Um, there weren't any breakout moments, and I, I know that Andrew Yang has complained that what he wasn't getting enough airtime or something. Uh, I, I didn't see that yeah, well. either. I, uh, but 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 at any at any rate, uh, it, it, it was a it was an entertaining debate, but. Uh,
sense of him, and yeah. that's why he does so well, just like the salad comb thing yeah. uh, hurt Sammy Klobuchar. Tim? I think he has something in common with Elizabeth Warren. Now, there's two people that Donald Trump has just mercilessly attacked, and I think it's actually helped both of them because Democratic voters right now are so angry at Donald Trump that that just makes them angrier uh, to oppose Donald Trump and what would be the way to really get under Donald Trump's skin Hey, pick Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden, and <laughs> and support either one of them. Uh, I, I think that actually helps both of those. What do y'all think? Uh, that's an interesting. I, I think you might be right about that. Hmm. Yeah, David? I think uh, the, the fact that he's been made Trump's number one enemy. Uh, makes him more well, popular than the other War- one. It ain't just him, Miss Warren, too. I think it's helped her. Yeah, it's yeah. funny when he started screaming Pocahontas and la di da and this and that and the other, and uh, yeah, I'd love to run against her. I, and then all of a sudden, her poll numbers just took off. <laughs> they did. Of, uh, that that, that ain't no of- accident. Speaking of uh, Elizabeth Warren, now one thing that's interesting is, um, and, and this may help Joe Biden, and, and it's it may be even holding her down more than it, even though she's doing so well, is Bernie supporters. And we know how vindictive and and vociferous they get uh, on um, social media. They really attack her a lot. That they seem to have a real you know target out for her, but they don't seem to have a target out for Joe Biden. Um, because I know theory, why. Oh, okay, you know, should we let Catherine give her theory, or you go ahead and tell? I don't know. No, let Tim uh, go first. Tim, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's simple. The the for for good, bad, or no reason, I really believe the Sanders supporters, and they seem to talk this way on social media. That she is stealing votes away from Bernie Sanders. That's got to make her persona non grata and evil member of the universe number one because she is she and not Joe Biden is in Bernie Sanders' way of his rightful place as the nominated the party. I really believe they believe that. I know some of them do. I've seen where they said it. Yeah, Catherine. Different. I think I think that they see her as um, usurping some of Bernie's ideas and Mm -hmm. uh, place in the in the um, mix, whereas they don't see that in Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the is um, the The actually probably yeah yeah he's the establishment guy and that. And they're not. Um, they, I think they're just more angry with Elizabeth Warren because yep. she's, like I said, usurping Bernie's ideas. That's how they think of it. Well, I think, I think y'all are onto something too. Well, I a lot think of them that, are men, and they're misogynistic. Well, and they probably just don't have a lot of respect for just the moderate wing of the party. They're just, oh, they're very dismissive, even though the moderate wing of the party may be a plurality at worst and possibly even a slight majority still. Um, But they still think Elizabeth Warren is is the person they've got to knock out of the race. Wouldn't you agree with that? And it'll be yeah. interesting to see because can they knock her out, or will she continue to do well? But then I read a, a post today saying that you know Bernie Sanders will just keep going and going because his supporters and his backers, and he'll have more money, and he can just even though if he's not racking up delegates, he'll just continue in on the race, um, and that'll continue to hold Elizabeth Warren or any other you know more well, progressive person they, down. And probably help Joe Biden, most likely. Here, here's a real, a real question. I feel that Bernie Sanders absolutely has to win either Iowa or New Hampshire, or where does he go? 
Where does he go if he doesn't? What? How can he justify staying in the race if if he doesn't win either one of them? Because when it goes to Nevada and then down to South Carolina, he's not going to win those places. That's that's not going to happen. So where is he going to win at that he can point to and say, you know, I'm I'm legitimate. And he's 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 going to be finishing third and fourth in all of these places. Yeah, I, I don't know what the strategy is, but um, it's just going to be to continue and continue on. And could he hold somebody from getting a majority of delegates to where there's a brokered convention? Yeah, possibly. And could he huh. be, you know, a big thorn in the side of everybody at that brokered convention? Very possibly. And and that's not going to be a good thing. Um, but you know, we shall see. Well, let's move on to our next topic, and, and that would be something we've talked about before, but it seems like it really hit some steam in the last week. And, and we, I just given the calendar, it, it's got to happen soon uh, because that person's got to be ready to go to Washington in January. And that's you know, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp making his pick for U.S. Senate. Some more names have entered in. Uh, Donald Trump's you know pushed his agenda, if you will. Uh, Catherine, what's your take on the state of this uh, pick? <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't read much about it. I mean, I know that the the closing was last Monday, and yes. I guess some last minute names. Who who jumped in that I was surprised to hear? The, the, well, two Collins. names I don't think we've discussed. Uh, well, Collins has jumped in, but I think we knew that Doug Collins, uh, representative right. from. Gainsley was going to get in, but the owner of the Atlanta Dream, who they think will at least partially okay, sell fund, yeah. she's jumped in the race. She's a a younger uh, female candidate. Uh, I mean, I don't think she has a other than being a big donor. Um, she's in real political office, and then also an African American, actually two African Americans. They think one they know for sure, a former commissioner from uh, Harrelson County. Um, he is uh, already, you know, in the race, and they think Robin Crittenden, who was the acting Secretary of State and who's in, holds a pretty high position right now in um, Brian Kemp's administration. They think she'll, uh, you know, has entered her name in, and so some pretty interesting names, Tim. The 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 thing about Collins, uh, the the reason I, I brought his name up immediately because Trump has really started pushing him. He is all yeah. over Kemp to pick Collins, and apparently Kemp is resisting uh, those overtures. Yeah. And the rumor I is believe, that he wants a... I I believe that Kemp is one that could actually get away with ignoring Trump and, and, and picking who he wants to pick. I could be wrong, but I, I just believe that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. I think this is where all these impeachment hearings, and I think what's going on with him, you know, now the Secretary of the Navy has resigned. Uh, that just came out, you know, uh, since we planned this show out. Um, all these negative things about Donald Trump that where the Republicans still are not ready to move on him, uh, you know, for the presidency, but they're not going to just listen to everything he says. And right. this is where it gives Kemp the freedom to pick who he wants to pick. Catherine, what do you think? I, I agree with you. I think that um, Trump, you know, uh, favor fall, falling a little bit helps Kemp and people like him to be more independent-minded. Um, I mean, I guess I heard the rumor that <clears throat> he was inclined to select a woman or a person of color or a person of color, a woman person of color um, for that slot just to boost um, uh, Metro Atlanta voting, Republican voting. Yeah, and I guess Robin Crittenden would be the only person that um, kind of fits that bill of of people that have the resume in the Republican Party uh, to do that, right, Catherine? Yeah, right. Yeah. 
I mean, it would be a, a very, very interesting pick um, if he did it. And I actually think well, that, you know, Brian Kemp's going to pick who's good for Brian Kemp, and picking a, you know, a Doug Collins probably doesn't help him any. Picking somebody mm-hmm. kind of different probably does help Brian Kemp in 2022, um, Look, if that person you, could win 2020. You, you saw the polling that Republicans seem to be holding their own in every region of Georgia except one. The Atlanta metro area, they're down 25 points. And with close to 70% of the state's population now living within yeah. 50 miles of the state capitol building, that is a really big deal that the Republicans simply cannot afford to ignore any longer. Where they're right. picking up, say, nine votes in my county, they're losing ten votes in Gwinnett County. They're, when they pick up a few, they, they never pick up 11 votes in one county and lose 10 in another. It's going the other way, and it's a slow drip, 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 and they're just getting wiped out in the metro area. And finally, there's going to be enough votes there, and it ain't going to be long. It's just about to happen. Now, they're going to start losing statewide races. And then yep. it's going to get real. They're going to be like out of power overnight if they don't do something about this. So I'm sure that's on the governor's mind. If if, if somebody like me thinks about it, I know somebody like him has got to be thinking about it, and a lot and a lot of the people around him. So uh, he'd he'd be wise to uh, think a little bit out of the box here. Let's put yeah, it that and- way. It'll be interesting to see what he does, but I'll say this. We remember that campaign he did in the primary where he you know, had his pickup truck, and he seemingly thought Hispanic people would just willingly stay in the back of his truck from a ride from Georgia to Mexico, and he talked about blowing stuff up from dynamite. It was the most unsophisticated primary ad campaign I've ever seen. But I will say this. He's at least smart enough that he's governing – a little bit more sophisticated than that character that he created uh, in that ad campaign. Um, and that kind of goes into the next thing. Is, and we've gotten two more polls now for a total of three Georgia polls. Um, and, and it shows some different things. And we know some of the dem- demographics was, were skewed in the AJC poll. But the others, the Survey USA, and then the other company I've forgotten the name of. Um, I sent it to y'all. Um, those, I don't think they had the same skew. But but some things that were we did find out was Joe Biden runs better. Um, Brian Kemp is is more popular today than he was on election day when he won. And then the third thing, um, for some reason, we are doing abysmally with people that go to vocational schools. Um, uh, those numbers were just incredibly uh, bleak, and I think that was from the AJC poll, the, and maybe the Survey USA as well. How poorly we do among. Uh, vocational voters um but Catherine, you've gotten a chance now to see all three polls and we didn't get to get your take even on the ajc one um kind of what's your thought on uh the polling that shows georgia much more as a purple state i think it's great news i think it's what we've all been working on and um i'm not surprised at all yeah well i'm gonna ask you another one and then i'll go to tim with his thoughts on the other two polls um you know, that number that showed Brian Kemp's approval, like something like 54% um, up yeah. from the 49 he got in the election and up from the – in the 40s, the very first approval rating they did right after the election. Um, why do you think that he's seemingly rising the polls? Because those were higher than Johnny Isaacson and, and David Perdue both. Well, he's been pretty quiet. I mean, aside from – I mean, obviously, you know, I'm always, I'm a not a one issue, but a but a primary issue voter, and um, you know, I think his handling of the abortion ban was horrific. But other than that, he hasn't really. I mean, has he? He hasn't been that, you know, provocative, has he? No, not really. I mean, like he gave teachers a three thousand dollar raise, which I actually think may have helped him some. Um, I'm not ready yeah, to approve of him, but I checked, I cashed the, the, the extra money in my check. Um, and if he wants to give more, I'll be glad to do that again. That still won't guarantee my vote. 
<laughs> very likely not, but you know. Um, and so, it's saying that now, Catherine, is this? I mean, well, I don't even get in there. We'll get Tim's thoughts since we're running short on time. Um, Tim, what's your take on these now other two polls? Well, just looking around at some stuff, um, I, I found it interesting that uh, such a high number of people are saying they plan to vote in the Democratic primary next year. Of course, that's probably the only game in town, but uh, there, there ought to be a lot of action there. Georgia should be a very busy state with the two Senate races and the presidential stuff going on and all of that. Uh, some other things that I was looking at was um, like on guns. Uh, we, uh, it's following the national trend where like very high numbers of people support background checks. Um, a lot of people support banning the, you know, assault weapons. Um People, people, as I was talking about earlier, are split on impeachment, almost 50-50. Yeah, that number surprised me. um, Kemp Kemp does have good favorables in in every one of the polls. Um, But Purdue's is nowhere near that, and he's only running three points in front of a generic Democrat with a lot, over 20% undecided in, in, in a lot of these Yay. matchups. So he might have a little bit of a problem if Georgia is a frontline battleground state next year. He He's going to have to sweat late on election night, I believe. Yeah, I wonder if David Perdue makes a call to Brian Kemp and has thoughts on who to pick as his running mate, if you will, because he might be uh, one. Don't you think he's weighed in? Even, don't you think he's already so. weighed in? Yes. And wouldn't you think that even though ideologically and the way he um, you know, snuggles up to Trump, that he, of course, might um, be philosophically aligned with Doug Collins – but there probably could be two reasons he wouldn't want Doug Collins. One's he'd like to see a, a, a woman or a, a person of color, you know, join in on the ticket to help him because a lot of times these seats will go together. And then also, if both people go up to Washington, he probably wants to be the one that gets to go to the Nationals game and sit in the box and get booed with Donald Trump, uh, not having to share that all that booing uh, with Doug Collins. And so that's something to think about there. One other thing from that poll that I noticed, and I, I want to say it was the one that I don't remember the name. It was a polling company I wasn't familiar with, but they did a lot of issue polling. And, Tim, I think that was what you referenced. And I noticed that two uh-huh. issues really resonated above you know, single digits. Everything else was like either right at 10 or below, and that was the economy and health care. Um, could this be a thing where Georgia really has to kind of toe a line and um, are, are the people that run as Republicans have to toe a line, even folks like, say, Karen Handel, if she wins that nomination, and whomever wins that nomination, the 7th District, and um, the person that Brian Kemp picks, are they going to have to be not quite so staunch, you know, repeal Obamacare uh, campaigners, Catherine? Um. I think they're going to have to address it one way or another. Um, you know, everybody's waiting for the Republicans to have a health care plan, and they still don't have one. So I guess they might have to do that or or have, a, have, a, have some other plan that, that um, is as good, sounds as good as uh, Obamacare and the ACA. Yeah. Tim, your thoughts there. Well, we found out last year in the midterms that health care is going to be like one of the top three or four issues with, with about every voter. That can only help the Democrats if that's a front-line issue. Another front-line issue that you did mention, Donald Trump. 
I noticed, I noticed that had high marks, too. Good, bad, or ugly, Donald Trump is going to be an issue. i, I got to think that that's pretty good for Democrats, too. Oh, definitely so. And when I meant issues, I meant traditional, you know, how it affects yeah, well, it your life traditional on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. hopefully it doesn't become traditional. We don't want this to be a tradition by any means. Um, well, uh, thanks to everybody on um, another great year. We'll give thanks since Thanksgiving's coming up before we come back again on Sunday. Uh, but until then, yeah. been the Cousin Vine. Good night, guys. Good night, y'all. We are the heirs of that first revolution with a strong